This is the Protect Help Give Show with J.M. Ryerson. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Protect Help Give podcast. I have a special guest today, Mr. Eric Creekmore. Eric is a top sales leader and a student to a life of self-improvement. From a young age, he's always been had an entrepreneur mindset, and after playing sports in college, he pursued his path in financial services. His transformation over the years has been impressive, from his work ethic to his insights. He's certainly making a name for himself quickly inside and outside of business. If anyone can take a complex problem and create a simple solution, it's this guy. I want you to welcome my friend, my better-looking younger brother, Mr. Eric Creekmore. What's up, bro? What's up, man? Thanks for having me, dude. <clears throat> Pretty cool. Truly my pleasure. Truly my pleasure. Yeah, no, it's cool what you're doing, man. I, I, I think I've been talking about it myself for a while, and uh, it's just cool to see that you're taking that loop and, uh, and kind of getting it dialed in. It is my favorite platform. I, you know, not, not to get right into it, but you, you're actually the one that got me really listening to a lot of podcasts. And I know that's something that's important to your life. And we'll get to that later on in the interview. I would love for people to know how you got into financial services and how you rose as quickly as you did. Because again, I met you as a pretty younger, you know, younger dude. Not that you're not young now, bro, but younger guy that, you know, full of promise. And obviously, you fulfilled that potential, but it wasn't necessarily the path that you necessarily knew you were going to take, but I think it's worked out really well. So can you share that story with us? Yeah, man. Unlike your partner, Chris Reed, I didn't grow up wanting to be an insurance agent. So, uh, you know, thinking back, you know, how I ended up here, you know, I grew up, great family. Uh, My dad was in construction. My mom worked at the Space Center. It was always uh, college was always in the in the plan. Uh, ended up that I played some football in college, and you know when I got out, I was planning on taking over my dad's construction business. And you know at that point, you know figure two thousand six, two thousand seven, you know right before the economy had crashed, that was my plan. I got you know right before I graduated from college, I looked at my dad's business. I looked at the industry. I'm like, well. That four years of college just went out the window because that's what I was studying. So what now? Um, A lot of my buddies at the time, just through college, I was working in some nightclubs. And um, I'm sure you you could probably pick it out of a crowd across the across the world. Actually, people that have worked at Roxy Nightclub in Orlando. But, um, you know, at the time, uh, my my buddies were were all firefighters, too. And and uh, they, you know, essentially they all had they all had jobs. They all had nice cars. They had uh, houses. And so I decided to go to the fire academy, become a fire firefighter. And, um, when I got out of the fire academy though, they were laying firefighters off and not hiring firefighters. So, you know, I literally for four years was, was testing, you know, I was always top of the class for the physical agility side of it, as well as the, you know, the written side. And for four years, I couldn't find a job just because, you know, they'd have one position and, probably 30,000 applicants. And, uh, you know, it all came down to who you knew. So, you know, I, I kind of came to my wits end and I was literally about to, um, I, I thought I was just going to become a, a door guy for the rest of my life. <clears throat> I thought I was going to move to Vegas and make some real doorman money. And that was just, that was just what I was going to do. So, you know, I, <clears throat> I took a leap of faith and, um, 
you know, kind of got out of the the Orlando bar scene, if you will, just because I just felt like I was in a big rut. And my sister at the time lived in South Florida. I quit my job. I didn't didn't have any type of real savings. I didn't have, you know, a backup plan. I, and I moved, lived with her, you know, pretty much rent free at the time. You know, my mom, she's always been a big part of making sure that I'm okay, was, you know, paying my bills essentially for three or four months. Uh, through that process, I mean, I'm obviously looking for jobs and stuff down here, and I was going to, you know, go a couple different routes, but ended up finding this this job on Craigslist that just said I could make over $100,000 just by seeing 10 people a week. And I'm like, well, that doesn't seem very hard compared to, you know, my past working in construction growing up. I've done some really uh, hard working jobs and it's like, all right, well, this sounds good. I've never made over a hundred thousand dollars at this point, maybe like 70. Um, but I go into this, this interview and this isn't like some sketchy building, you know, a bunch of cubicles and lo and behold, I ended up knowing through one of the, it was actually the kicker for UCF, UCF. And, uh, when I was playing football, his roommate, and he made that connection pretty quickly, and his name's Sean Valley. And uh, you know, going back, you know, he really made it simple for me to understand. You know, he's never made less than a hundred thousand dollars in insurance, and it was a simple, simple business. It was a, it was just a math problem. The more people you call, the more people you see, the more people you sell. So he's like, if you just stick to that one thing, you'll never make less than a hundred thousand dollars either. And you know, I just stuck to that. Um, it wasn't easy. Right. There's a lot of learning there. I'm a very by nature, uh, not a very outward spoken person. So, you know, dialing on the phones wasn't easy. I was taking a lot of it to heart uh, when people were cursing me off the phone. But, you know, I ended up doing pretty well. I was always top, you know, top leaderboard for for producing. And, uh, you know, finally got into the position where I had a you know, kind of a team of my own because Sean left for another opportunity and it was like, all right, you either need to take over this office or you're not going to have an office. What do you want to do? And, um, you know, through that process, I mean, at the time it was you and your business partner that essentially was like, dude, you got this. And I was like, dude, I, I, what do I have exactly? You know, and it was, it was scary. And, um, you know, especially with y'all's help, it, you know, I got into it and, you know, I didn't even know how to interview people. I didn't know how to run a meeting. I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. And, you know, trial by fire got there and, you know, now I'm making some real money and got, a, you know, a decent team moving. And once in my life, I'm, you know, financially free in my eyes. And, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, JM calls me and says, Hey bub, we're resigning today. <laughs> that was, a uh, another scary moment in my life. Like, Okay, well, what now? Like, who am I going to talk to? Because at the time, I mean, you're pretty much my my full time mentor, and and he's like, well, good news is I got a plan. So through that, you know, obviously we were blessed with Appreciation Financial, and um, you know, coming into the school market, it was just a, a totally different uh, atmosphere, I guess. And and during this time, I was working a lot on myself too. So I I, I think I started gaining a little bit more momentum as far as leadership goes. And then, you know, I was still really producing for those first couple years. And, and I stopped one day and I, and I don't know why I stopped, but I was always, again, top of the leaderboards, usually, you know, number one or number two. 
And I was like, man, well, why isn't JM out selling every day? Doesn't make much sense. Maybe I need to go and ask him what he's doing and do what he does. Maybe I need to build a team and build a business because, I mean, I always want to be in the room with the right people. And I felt like I was in the room with the right people, but I was doing something different. So, you know, fast forward four years and now uh, between myself and my business partner, we've got one of the largest organizations in appreciation. And, and I'm super proud to have, you know, my family, my mother, my sister, my cousin, all working for, uh, for the company. Yeah, you brought it up and and I literally took like three or four different notes that I want to go down the tangent but well two things. Let's let's just the Roxy nightclub thing, that is legit guys. I was literally in Africa and I meet this person on on an airplane going to uh Mbikwe. I, I always pronounce it incorrectly and she's like, "Oh yeah, I know Eric." And let me guess, Roxy Knight. Oh yeah, Roxy Knight. It's just, it is amazing. Um, but that's not what people want to hear. So you just mentioned your mom and your sister and your cousin. They all work for the company. I mean, that's unique. Not most companies do that. What is it about that? Why Why do you have, because you clearly, you're taking on some serious responsibilities and and you're saying, mom, you've taken care of me so long. I want to I want to return the favor. And, and obviously your mom's excelled so much in this, but where did that come from, brother? Cause that's, that's unique. And I think it's so special that you can provide that opportunity for your family. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it just came down to really developing as a, as a, as a man, I think, and, and stop worrying so much about myself. And, you know, sooner or later you have to become grateful for what you were given and you have to start giving it back to people. And the first people I could think of are my family. Right. If I if I couldn't do this for my family, why would I do it for someone else? Why would I share this opportunity for someone else? So, you know, my mom was my assistant for a few years and uh, it got to the point where I couldn't afford her anymore. So I it kind of forced her into it. You know, it was definitely out of her comfort zone. But I knew if I could do it that, you know, with her work ethic and, and she's a smart woman and she definitely likes to help people that she could do it. So. You know, now it's become almost a, a pretty solid recruiting tool. Like, look, dude, if I can bring my own mother into this business, I think uh, I think you should trust me if, you know, I wouldn't put her in some position where she could fail. That's unique, brother. And it's it's obviously been a blessing to all of us to have Mama C in our life, not only personally, but professionally. You mentioned something that so basically every couple of years I, I provide you with a good jolt of fear but you always answer the bell, man. You always were there to just not only not only just answer, but you thrive in it. How is it that you take something that can be fearful and you just say, all right, forget it. I'm all in. And then just not only do that, but you literally are thriving. Because I think that's one of the challenges people have, especially when they go to a 1099 position is, oh, my gosh, that's scary as can be. That's not what I was told. What is it about taking that fear, putting it to the side, and you just, is there something that you can help people do? Because I think that is a huge, huge asset. Yes. So, well, first of all, I think you got to take inventory, right? You got to figure out where you're good, where you're lacking, and where you can improve. And, you know, you can get so excited, which I did for most of my younger life. And, and that's where ego, in, in my opinion, is bred. 
is when it's all about, yay, I'm, I'm awesome at this, I'm awesome at that. And, and there's not really much else you can do when you're awesome at something. There's, there's no real room for improvement. Then when you start focusing on where you can improve, that's where stuff gets exciting. That's where, for me, over the last probably five to ten years has been my focus. It's, it's what are the things that I'm maybe not so good at. And I think that's where you get excited and where I get excited now coaching people is, look, finding the problem, that's the exciting part. Now we know that we can fix it. And until you identify that, you're, you're kind of lost and you're, you're fooling yourself. Um, you, you kind of deflect back to your wins, right? Because you don't want to face it. You don't want to be vulnerable with a weakness. And, uh, you know, that's something that, that you've taught me a lot throughout the years is, is vulnerability is not a weakness. Vulnerability is, is who you are. And I think that's where you know, most of what you're looking for in life lies is on the other side of that. So, you know, I guess that's where I get so excited is when I'm uncomfortable. It's like, whoa, I haven't felt this in a while. Yeah, when when you're uncomfortable, you're growing for sure. And uh, I just, you know, when people are listening, I hope they they recognize those fears and then they say, all right, there is a process. And we'll we'll talk about that more. But you mentioned something earlier when you were talking about your story. You said you're not necessarily that outward and and some may even not that I'm calling you an introvert but let's say you were not necessarily an extrovert and but yet you led in sales you're always at the top of the leaderboard in sales and now you're building these teams how do you do that man because again I think a lot of people that are introverted are saying sales isn't for me that's I can't succeed in that can you can you talk about that yeah, so it's funny. I had this conversation actually the other day with Nisha, and you know, I was talking a lot about how Nisha, again, one of my best friends, um, as well as JMs, we, we were talking a lot about this one subject. Like, you know, one thing I've been working on is being able to go out and try to become that extrovert. And I don't know that necessarily that's who I want to be. Um, you know, yeah, do I get? I guess sometimes do, do I get a little jealous that someone's maybe running the conversation or everyone's looking at that person? Yeah, sometimes. But really what I've, I've come to realize, though, is, you know, listening more than talking puts you in a rather an advantage, I feel, than most other people that just like to talk to talk by listening more to whether it's a client or whether it's a recruit or whether it's just people out and you're just sitting back and, and noticing, you're able to pick out real important matters to that person or how they're saying things. And you're able to, I think, quickly identify your point of interest or your, your, your pain point, if you will. And I, and I think that most salespeople, most agents especially in this industry, because teachers are very, I mean, that's their job is they sit there and their job is to help people, right? But we're on the other side of the fence now. It's our job to help people. We need to understand better how to help that person rather than telling them how we're going to help them. So I think that, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. I'm able to turn it on and off just because of the role that I'm in. and. I think I'm able to, when I do talk, and you've been part of these these uh, conversations, if you will, with, you know, I just remember when we were out in, in uh, 
or was that uh, out in Utah with the with the guys and and uh, Brock said one thing. He's like, man, every time Eric speaks, it's it's good. Like it's because I when I do speak, it's 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 well put together and it's purposeful. And um, so yeah, man, I I think that just being really in tune with listening to other people rather than just telling them what you want to say is, is super important. I hope everybody that's listening that considers themselves to be an introvert wrote that down. Cause it's like, all right, maybe my strength isn't leading the conversation. Maybe I don't always know what to say, but I can always listen. I can literally tune into what they're saying and really not think about what I'm going to say, but rather really hear what they're saying. I, I love that brother. What else would, would you suggest when it comes to sales? Because, again, you made the transition from top of sales into leadership, and we'll talk about that. But you clearly had a formula for success when it comes to sales, and listening obviously is one of them. But what else can you offer to the folks so they can follow in your path? Yeah, man. I mean, it just comes to down, down to being, like, super intentional. You've got to be very organized, right, to produce at a high level – I think organization comes first. Uh, when you're seeing a lot of people, when you've got a lot of people to follow up with, all the money is made in the follow up and the follow through. Um, you know, when you get into it, if you're not working off of a daily list, if your calendar's not in order, if you're not purposely scheduling in your day time to grow, like all of everything you're doing is going to end up in a big mess. Um, <clears throat> so something I do for myself is uh, I work off of a list, but not just any list, not just a long list of items. Cause I mean, at one point in my life, I dealt with anxiety and, and just thinking back, I haven't had anxiety in years, but when I think about a long list of things to do, it gives me anxiety right now as we talk. Um, so what I learned to do though, whether it was a podcast or a book that I read was, to break that list down, break it down into the need to, like I need to get this done today or things that I should get done if I have time, right? So it should really be two lists that, uh, that you're breaking that down into. So that way you really just focus on that need to get done list. Uh, and then at that point, you if you do get to it, it's now over to the should do list. But it just makes it super simple when you stop and just take, again, inventory of what you're actually doing on a weekly basis. If your job or your, your goal is to make X amount of money just on your own pen, well, let's reverse engineer that into what actual tasks need to take place to, to hit that. And are the things on your daily list getting you closer to that goal or are they pulling you further away from that goal? So just by realizing those couple things and organizing yourself, I, I had the conversation with my mother today, actually. Um, something I've been telling her to do for a long time is read a book that I, I recommend to, to anyone and everyone that maybe we'll talk about later. But she says she still hasn't done it and it's been two years. And then I said, Mom, how long did it take you to, to start doing a list? And it took her five years to start doing this list, but it changed her life. It changed her life. She lives off the list now. She's getting a lot more done. She's less stressed. And her business is thriving because of it. 
Yeah, it's interesting. You know, a lot of times as a leader, you have those answers and you provide them, but you can't, you you know, again, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink is the old saying. And I know that's one of the frustrating things for, for leaders because you're like, gosh, it took you, it's taken you two years. Like, mom, it's going to be so great. But for whatever reason, it, it can be. And that's one of the challenges. So one of the things that I really admire about you. And it's like you said, I, we've had a mentor relationship and, you know, now you're one of my best buds and it's like, but I learned so much from you. And one of the best things that I have watched you do is you value your time as well as anyone I know. And if you don't like doing something, you outsource it. And guys, I cannot stress this enough. I, and I hope you talk about it a little bit, Eric, because you talk about what you need to do. And then you have all this other stuff. And what I see you do such a remarkable job of is you take all this other stuff and you outsource it to someone else. Where did you come up with that, brother? Because it is clearly working for you. And and I think if people could grab onto this and this idea that they their business could explode as well. Yeah. So to answer your question, I mean, to get to a place where you're very high performing and deep down inside, you're really a, a lazy person, right? You've got to come up with good habits to, to catch you or to, to really support you. And those habits could be personal habits or they could be systems in place. And the systems you're talking about is really dialed into what is an hour of your time worth? You know, have, has, have you ever sat down and figured that number out? It should always change, by the way. But once you realize, you know, what that hour of your time is worth, you should not be doing anything far below that, in my opinion, that's not personal, like in business only. Like, for instance, you know, I, I would hope that if you make over $50 an hour, right? And it takes an hour to wash your car and someone can wash it for 20 bucks. Well, that's a no brainer. Let's spend the time out doing something that's going to make 50 bucks. And you just netted 25 bucks or 30 bucks, whatever the case may be, just by having someone else wash your car or mow your lawn or, or clean your house. Like that yes to effect is, is lazy. Some people would say, but more importantly, that is how you gain speed. That is how you make the most of where you're the best at the time you need to be the best. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it, the number one word that I empower anyone to start using more is the word no. You got to learn to say no to people. Uh, I think there's too many yes men out there, and and I think integrity is a big deal. I don't like saying yes to things that I know I'm not going to come through on. And if you don't have your word, like, what do you really have? So by saying no to the things that I truly know, either I'm not good at, or I don't, I don't like, or I'm not going to perform at, I think sends a message to everyone. And I think it, in my opinion, creates a lot of respect too. If people don't bring me stuff now or, or take time out of my day that they know that it's not worth my time or my energy, and that just, I mean, it's hard. You're going to lose some, some people that maybe don't understand through that process. But it's so important because, guys, I don't know about you, man, but I got one life. And the, to, and the time is ticking. And I want to make sure that 
I'm always in a position where I, I can control as much as I can control. And I'm in a position where I can enjoy the ride while I'm there. And, and I don't ever want to put myself in a position where I have to do something that is below where my time is worth. That exercise, you guys, that he's talking about, where you really figure out what your time is worth each hour, is it is mind-blowing. It is so eye-opening. And I'm telling you guys, he has done this for me several times where he's like, well, how much is your time worth? I'm like, damn it. All right, I'll go back to it. And he's right every single time. So you build this amazing team. And I know you and Dan have really on the East Coast now called Elevate you guys are really developing a powerhouse. And I just look at that as that's that's awesome because it does provide great opportunity for you and, and the income is fantastic. But I look at it more as the amount of opportunity you're providing other human beings. I love it, man. So can you give your philosophy on recruiting and building teams? Because again, I watch you guys do this. I, I, I marvel at it. And I'm just so proud that you, provide so many opportunities to other folks. Yeah. So I, I truly believe that this, this model, this, this opportunity appreciation financial is bar none, the best opportunity for someone that doesn't have an opportunity to go and get a doctorate degree. And even, even then I still feel like this is something that not many people have access to just, you know, the common, the common person. So <clears throat> With that being said, I, I do truly believe in the opportunity. So I think that's where it has to start. Now, in regards to recruiting, again, it goes back to the, the Sean Valley conversation. It's a numbers game, right? And, and as, as much as some people would love to say that, you know, 100% of the people that come on are going to make it with us, sorry, but we're not, we're not God. We, we cannot control somebody's drive okay and and we all know too on on interviews it's like a first date everyone's going to put their best foot forward and everyone's going to say everything that they 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 want you to hear but then you get down the road and and you start actually seeing this person and seeing if they're moving and and that's where the the phrase trust only motion comes in right you're only dealing with the people that are moving, that are doing the things you're asking of them and not wasting your time with the, the, the guy that told you they're a top producer, but, but isn't returning your phone calls or isn't learning the scripts and just really taking inventory every week and, and knowing who you're spending your time with, in my opinion, is the most important thing when you're trying to build a, an organization because so many times I hear people, I'm starting over, I'm starting over, I'm rebuilding my team, I'm rebuilding my team, which is fine. I guess sometimes you got to do that, but you really shouldn't have to rebuild your team if you're always working with the right people, right? Let me say that again. The right people is where this all works. It is a joy to build a team with the right people. It makes your job much easier. It makes it fun. It makes you more money, but it is a nightmare spending time with the wrong people, right? And you will burn yourself out if you keep doing it. So, you know, number one, you got to you gotta make sure you're, you're working with the right people. Once your culture is developed, the culture will drive the other people out. You know, we've got three mantras that, you know, some people say it's like a cult. You know, we're making these chants every day. 
But it's really important to me. And I know you and I, we spent a lot of time actually coming up with those mantras, you know, about a year ago, a year and a half ago. And, and uh, you know, we, we help a lot of people. We create life-changing wealth and, and we do get better every day. And if you're not embodying that in my team, you're not going to get my time. And it, there's nothing more than I love just conversating or being around people that do those three things. It makes my job easier. Um, it makes it fun. I actually, when I wake up, I don't dread what's going to happen today. I look forward to Mondays. I actually kind of dread the weekends. I would rather <laughs> be be moving, especially right now with, with COVID and all. Um, but then when you get into the actual business side of it, once you've built your organization, once you've found your, your core group, I think that's super important to have that core group that, you know, they're your friends. They're not going to leave you. They're not, they're family now that you're, you've made them money. Their loyalty is with you. Once you have them now, it's your job to go out and become the person you're trying to attract. So now I'm looking for other Eric Creekmore's, JM Ryerson's, Dan Asty's. Like I'm looking for those people. And that took a long time to get here. Like, shoot, 10, 15 years ago, bro, there was no one coming to work for me. And I don't blame them. Like, I was a prick. And uh, I was full of myself. And I think through the years, that's probably the, the thing I'm most grateful for is, is losing that ego. Because, you know, the spotlight's on you for so long. But when you realize the spotlight's on you, it's no longer about you. And I think you got to now give that opportunity to other people. You've got to empower them, bring them up. And then that's when you really, I feel like you really sink in and the emotions start hitting and, and it starts hitting your heart where now daily when I wake up and I see other people win, that's when I win. It's not about, I know, I, you know, whatever, we had some contest the other day and I got an email that apparently we won three months in a row, like, Cool. Thank you. But that didn't really do much for me at this point. Um, so I think just once you get to that point, though, where you've got that solid foundation and you're personally developed, I think systems are really what make this business grow and keeping things that are duplicatable and scalable and not trying to, I guess, be right all the time, but yet what's right for the company, what's right for the growth, what's right for the new agent. Um, because trust me, there's, I mean, my sales process used to be on a, a pad and paper, man. And that was not duplicatable. You know, I, I knew that I was good, but I knew that it would be hard to become me. So I had to start thinking different. Like how could the brand new agent win and how could they win quick? And what can I do to support them? And how can I pull myself out of this equation if I want to go on a three-month vacation? Does the business still work? And, you know, it's a blessing to say that I've put myself in that position now alongside of a lot of help with, with you guys and my partners and coworkers. Like, it's a cool thing now to be able to work when I want, how I want, where I want. And, uh, you know, that's, that's real freedom right there. Well, you dropped so many bombs. Literally, you had the cops coming to get you. I heard them in the background coming to get you. Guys, I hope you have your pen and paper ready for what he just unpacked. Joy to build with the right people. Trust only emotion. 
become the person you're trying to attract. I'm, I'm literally feverishly writing as you're talking because you just went into this amazing mode of inspiration. So you're, and it's a perfect segue into leadership. Again, I've had the pleasure of working with you for many years now. And one of the things I will say, I don't think I've had a more coachable human being than yourself when it comes to leadership. And that you really made it seem like a seamless transition from sales into leadership. You got to just talk about your process because it it was fun to be a part of and, and see you put in that work. I want more people to be able to do what you did and and really get into leadership. What is your process for that? Yeah, so I, I feel like in order to be a good teacher, you've got to be a great student. Um, so it, does, it, it takes a lot of work. And I hated reading growing up. And um, you know, I actually so bad that I was in like remedial reading just because I Christmas treed the FCAT and it took my mom coming to school to get me removed from that class. But long story short, like reading was never something I enjoyed. And not until I got into financial services did I start working on myself. Did I start reading? Uh, There's a few books that, you know, I was forced into reading and, you know, I started getting nuggets out of and, you know, what I started seeing was that I started talking like these people in these books. I started doing things differently and I became a different person. I became, just as Terry Kennedy said, I became the person because of the books that I read. So I think it started with books. I started reading a bunch. I started being more self-aware of where I needed to grow the most. And leadership was a big part of that. And I think for the longest time, you know, I led by example. I led, hey, guys, let's go. Follow me. Watch me. Look at me. Right. If I can do it, you can do it. And I realized that that was not necessarily the right way. Um, I realized that because you know, it's, it's not about me. And, and yes, people need to know that I can do it, but they need to know that I care about them more than anything. They need to know that, that I'm here for them, that I have failed myself, that I am currently working on myself, and we're in this together. And, and I think when I stopped thinking about myself as much, you know, I, I start thinking back like, when did that actually happen? When did I really drop my ego? It's kind of funny because it's, it wasn't that long ago. It was probably about three years ago, maybe. And my speech at a convention was about not having an ego. And I, and I was just sitting in a room and I, I could hear people talking behind my back or, or to the side, not necessarily my back, but how the hell is Creekmore talking about not having an ego? Like, dude's got the biggest ego around. I start thinking, like, it's not true. You guys just think that. And then I stopped to think, like, all right, I'm going to make this speech the time that I actually let my ego go. And I stopped thinking about myself first. And I think it had a lot to do with self-development, but it also had a lot to do with, like, where I was in my life. Like, I had a lot of people relying on me. I was also in a position where I actually could afford things now and I didn't need to go and scrape it off the floor and and do things that, 
you know, maybe I, I shouldn't do or could have done better or took, you know, took shortcuts. Um, but I was actually in a good spot and, you know, it was actually pretty easy and, and reading books about, you know, meditation and being present and, and that was a whole nother side because I didn't grow up religious. And I felt like as I got older, the spiritual side of me was missing. And, you know, as I started really looking into me and what I, who I was and what my, you know, self, you know, what my conscience was and, and what it was saying is, is you did a lot of crappy things throughout your life, dude. And it was all because you cared about yourself. You didn't really stop to think about yourself or sorry, you didn't think about what it's doing to others. And not that, you know, by any means are these things that I couldn't tell my mother, but, you know, they were all selfish and, and by realizing that and by still being in a position where I'm a leader and still knowing I still had a piece of that in me, um, was important for me to realize. And then it became my focus now to stop myself when I spoke about myself, if that makes sense. But I think that speech was really my, my turning point where I just, you know, you think about it like meditation, it's, you have that thought and it's now a bubble and now that bubble is drifting away and it's gone forever. That was almost how I felt with my ego. Now, granted every once in a while, I mean, I, I'm, Trust me, I'm as, as competitive as any, and and I'll talk some smack here and there, but, you know, ego is definitely not your amigo, and I think it's the most expensive thing that you own, and uh, once I realized how much it was costing me, um, it was just, uh, you know, a weight off my shoulders when when I got to it, so I think just, you know, more than anything, leadership is, is just being servant to others and and really focusing on how you can how you can bridge that gap from where someone is now to where they need to be and quickly identifying that gap and knowing that you have the tools to get that person to where they want to go is, is super important. So can you imagine being on stage, you guys, and literally going, I'm hearing people say this ego and you just drop all all of it, and you're completely vulnerable. That's fantastic. I love it, and I, I'm very pleased to say I was there and I got to witness it. So you did talk about reading. Is there one book that that was just so impactful that you can share with people that you're like, you know what, if there's one book, try this, you guys. It was so impactful for my life, and it really resonated with me. Is there one that you can share with, the, with everyone? Yeah, I mean, some people hate it, but I love it. Uh, David Goggins can't hurt me. I mean, it's truly changed my life. I think I've missed 17 days now at the gym since Christmas of 2018. It is June 19th of 2020, so 500 and something days. Um, <clears throat> but it wasn't just about working out, dude. It was it was about facing my inner. Let's. I don't know if we're allowed to say bitch on this, uh, on this channel or not, but my inner bitch, like a lot of times we're in our own heads and we're like, ah, no, I'm good. Like I deserve this time off or I deserve that cookie or I deserve whatever it is. Like we tell ourselves that all the time when we're tired, but the book helped me realize that, you know, we're only working at about 40% capacity at all times. You always have more, you can always push harder and, and it doesn't necessarily need to mean physically. It's it could be emotionally, it could be, you know, spiritually, it could be 
physical, it could be mental, it could be all of the above. But what it helped me do is it helped me realize that I could do more. And I'm in control of of my thoughts. Um, And more importantly, it just, it made me realize how different I, I was and how I could, how much different I could be. I, I could be, as in his words, uncommon amongst the uncommon, right? So I don't relate to a lot of people that sleep in and maybe don't go to the gym often or maybe try to get better every day. I don't relate to those people and that's fine. It's not that we can't be friends, but I think it truly is, you know, putting that man on a mission mentality into you and and really identifying where you're weak and not lying to yourself anymore. Uh, He's got a a mirror that he talks about when he, you know, David Goggins, he was a, I think he was like 350 pounds and he lost, I think it was like close to 150, 200 pounds, some crazy over a very short amount of time. I think it was like a hundred pounds he lost in 30 days. Um, And it just came from really stopping the lies to himself. Like instead of saying, Hey, yeah, I need to lose a couple pounds. He looked in the mirror and said, dude, you are fat and that is not okay. Like being real with yourself, like for me, I know what my faults are and I have clearly identified them to myself. I don't make excuses for them anymore. So either now it becomes, is it important for me to change or is it not? Is it always on my list? That means it never gets done. Well, maybe if it's on my list for two, three months, maybe it's really not that important for me to change. So let's just take it off the list till I'm ready. So I I think that book changed my life. Um, Not only, you know, I think the main thing is just being consistent, right? Great people, in my opinion. I mean, they're just consistent people, right? They're consistent at, at doing the things that are moving the needle. And trust me, great people are not great all the time. They're just great when it matters. And that comes from consistency. So yeah, man. I mean, that that would be the number one book I'd tell anyone. If you wanted to, a nice kick in the butt and, and really get real with yourself, that would be the one. Well, it's sitting right next to me on my left. As you know, I think the guy's nuts. However, I it is amazing what he has done. I, I envision you gr- reaching into that cookie jar that he talks about and really pushing yourself forward. So I, I wasn't going to go here, but because you brought it up, I think – you face that inner bitch, as you say, in the mornings, and you have a really interesting and uncommon routine. Can you just talk about what your morning routine looks like? Because I think people could glean a lot from that and really say, I'm going to incorporate some of this into my life as well. So I will say that my routines changed a little bit since COVID and not having to actually be out of the house by a certain time. But um, <clears throat> naturally, I would always be up before the sun's up. Or before the sun's up, always. Um, I mean, even on the, the weekends, shoot, even after a few drinks, like if I'm not up before the sun's up, yeah, I could go back to bed, I guess. But like, you're losing, in my opinion, you're already you're already losing the battle of the day. So, um, I mean, you know, I got the big thing is like setting yourself up to get up to to not go back to bed, to not hit snooze. So the first thing I do when I get up is I wash my face, cold water get the coffee brewing and then grab some supplements and then I'll, I'll hit my, just a quick read if you will. And then it's, it's literally straight to the, the treadmill where 
that's one thing I missed over the last probably a couple months was having the treadmill. I had to use my stairs instead, but now that it's back to the treadmill, that's where I get my podcasts in and, and, um, huge, huge podcast, huge on, um, you know, the, the number of, I've actually added a few others to my list now focusing on the areas that I am weak in. Um, but you know, that's where I'll get my reading or my podcasts in at the gym. Uh, usually, you know, 45 minutes to an hour of cardio, then some weightlifting, and then I'm back home and, uh, I, I do an ice plunge. So I've got a, a cold plunge pool in my house. You know, the water's set at about 38 degrees, sitting there for about five minutes. And, and quite honestly, I got, I got away from meditation. And now that's become my meditation because it's really hard to think about anything other than you're just freezing your butt off in there. So, um, and then really after that, man, I mean, I'm pretty fired up for the day and, you know, I just make sure, make sure that my list is, is all, you know, ready to roll for the day. And, and I'm off, man. I mean, that's that's pretty much what it's consisted of now for a few years. 38 degrees submerged, guys. That'll get you moving in the morning. That's, uh, <laughs> that is cold, man. That's cold. Brother, is there anything else that I should have asked you that you're like, man, I got to talk about this? Is there anything that I miss that you just want to share with the audience? Yeah, I mean, really just I think people need to stop. And just, again, I've mentioned it a few times, is taking inventory and, and I think self-awareness is probably the most valuable thing or valuable attribute that someone can have. Because if you know what you have or what you don't have internally, you know, at least you know where to go. Without taking that inventory, I think you're just kind of wondering. Um, so once you identify those, just making sure that your habits are there, right? And And I think People with bad habits have things bad that happen to them. People that get up every morning and make good choices and have good habits when they get tired to fall back on, I think that's what separates most people. And, and once you identify your bad habits, just create a good habit that, that's there to catch you because you can't always be on point. You know, at the end of the, end of the day, after a full day, you're emotionally spent in this business. You've got to have good habits in place to catch you so that you know, you're not, you're not straying off that path. You're not down in the ditch by the third or fourth step. You're, you've got that good habit to pick you right back up. So, you know, man, I just, I hope people just stop, you know, slow down to speed up, if you will, and, and really just focus on them and, and who, who they want to be. What are they currently? Who are they currently? What are they, what are their actions daily? Where do they know they're, they're, they're failing. And just, even if it's one thing guys, and you just, one thing you, you say you're going to do today, just keep that promise, keep that promise to yourself. Don't let your inner bitch get in the way and, and say that it's not important and you don't have to do it. Cause if you make yourself a promise and you keep it, you know, that builds confidence. If, if you can't keep a promise to yourself, I mean, do you really think you're going to be able to keep that promise to, you know, teammates or, or anyone that you care about? So, yeah, man. I mean, I think that's where it starts. Some amazing advice, guys. I can already tell people are going to be listening to this episode a couple of times because you just you you brought so much to the table. So I have the pleasure of being able to connect with you all the time. How can our listeners connect with you online, brother? Well, it's funny because I listened to a podcast today that that uh, I'm I'm going through a digital diet right now and and getting rid of a lot of. Uh, my social media, at least temporarily, but 
you know, I guess the easiest way for, for most is, is probably going to be Facebook. Mostly everything I post on there is, is professional and, and, uh, you know, I'm not too big on wasting a ton of time looking at pictures nowadays. And, you know, I think, you know, with all the stuff that's going on in the world, even Facebook's get, gets kind of overwhelmed. So, you know, Facebook, Eric Creekmore, um, obviously if you've got my cell, you know, it's always, uh, it's always open and free for you. Um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm here to help in any way I can. If you need an accountability partner, just know what you're signing up for is all I got to say. You are truly the best when it comes to accountability, man. I thank you so much for bringing it today. I had such a good time doing this. I learned more about you. And again, I feel like I know you as well as most of the guys I've ever worked with. I mean, you and I have spent some amazing time. So brother, thank you so much for sharing and, and being vulnerable with the, with the team and with the audience. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. And I appreciate you and all you do and love you, brother. Love you too, man. All right, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We will catch you next week. And in the meantime, keep getting better every day. Thank you for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. Our goal is to help a lot of people create life-changing wealth and get better every day. For more information or comments, please reach me at jryerson at appreciationfinancial.com or connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Let's Go Win 365. Keep growing and we'll see you next time. This is the Protect Help Give Show with J.M. Ryerson.